In this interview, they explore eating disorders. This might be a trigger for some people. Please listen with care. Queer Rights Sessions, QWS podcast, in partnership with Blarney Books and Art and Port Ferry. I'm your host, Rob, aka RWR McDonald, and this is a Words and Nerds spin-off series. Thanks, Danny. I'm coming to you from the land of the Wurundjeri people, and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Each month, QWS Podcast will bring you reviews, shout-outs of LGBTIQA plus writers, and feature an interview with a queer writer from our rainbow communities. And now on with the show. Uh, this month's guest is Peter Coleman. Peter has a PhD in cultural studies from Monash University, where he tutored in Eastern religion and philosophy. After leaving university, he began a career in the not-for-profit sector, where he now works as a consultant. Peter is also an authorised marriage celebrant and occasional tarot card reader. He lives in Melbourne with his husband, Mike, and an ever-expanding book collection. Peter and Matt Fowle's book, Weekends with Matt, published end of last month in July and is available at all good bookshops through Affirm Press. A very warm welcome, Peter. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. Oh, absolute pleasure. And I just uh, have to say I really love the book and we have a lot to discuss. So <laughs> so glad. That's awesome. So um, to start off with, Pete, we, we have an opening question that we ask all of our, our guests at QWS Podcast, and that is how has your work influenced your identity? And I, I wrote you a message before today because you send the question out beforehand. And I thought it was such a fantastic question. I sort of contemplated it a lot over the past week. And I think the big way my work is in writing the book Weekends with Matt has really impacted me is like so many people in the LGBTIQA plus community, I've had my share of struggles with depression, anxiety, self-criticism. You know, I do touch on all of those things in the book at times. And, you know, I'm definitely not alone. It's a very common experience for particularly for people in the community. And I actually in terms of impacting my identity, I found writing Weekends with Matt a really helpful experience, yeah. in fact. Because I was writing myself, I mean, it's from my first-person perspective, mm. writing myself as something of a, seeing myself as kind of a character in the book and doing my level best to be as authentic and honest about myself in my portrayal of myself, I had the ability to look at myself and my own imperfections and my own character in in, in a kind and more compassionate way, I would say, right. yeah. as I wrote. And so I experienced a level of self-understanding that I hadn't really had before writing it. And so in that way, I would say it's had a, a healing influence on my identity. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Now, I'm for our listeners, I'm just going to read the blurb on this beautiful book um, and we'll put it up on our um, socials as well. But just to describe it, it's uh, is that claret? Uh, what? <laughs> I think so. I think it's a, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. deep red claret red. Yeah. Beautiful deep red and this amazing uh, peacock on it. Mm. Weekends with Matt. The Peacock's Tale describes a wine that is complex and rewarding. 
a wonderful metaphor for life. Weekends with Matt is a classic odd couple tale of two very different men and the common ground that can be found over a shared passion. It was somewhere between the Chardonnay and the Zinfidel that Peter realized he didn't have a clue about wine. On his way to a dinner party and in a mild panic, he called Matt, a wine-loving acquaintance who expertly steered him towards the perfect bottle. The selection was a hit, but it was Matt's passion that stuck in Peter's mind. He decided to visit Matt's vineyard for an introduction to the noble grape. One visit led to another, and this unlikely pairing of a prowess-quoting intellectual and a farmer with a love of hunting found themselves bonding over life, ideas, vulnerability, aspiration, nature, philosophy, and of course, a glass or three of wine. Like a tipsy Tuesdays with Murray, this well-crafted tale is a guide to life as to the mysteries of wine. So I loved the wide range of conversations you'd have from uh, a wine variety and how it's grown and made. Mm along with uh, life reflections of philosophy. Um, and it really did, each chapter reminded me of those great conversations you have with friends, sometimes late in the night, and you really get into the meaning of life and, and uh, all that beautiful messiness that comes with mm. life. So how, how did the idea for this book come about? Because it is so unique. Yeah, it was interesting because we had... We had discussed it for many years and both of us were, were and you know, as it recounts in the book, I met, uh, Matt and I became friends more than 20 years ago uh, when we met in Florence on a university trip, uh, which was a fantastic experience. And we'd stayed in touch generally, but, you know, very on and off, long periods without speaking and so forth. But, you know, um, one of those relationships where you sort of click back in when you do speak. and. We'd had this idea, and quite genuinely, as I talk about in the book, watching the documentary Somme yes. had really opened my eyes because, as I say, I'm by nature not a big drinker, and I don't, I didn't know anything about wine. I don't generally drink that much alcohol. And so, but I was very interested, particularly watching Somme, about how this world of wine, and it just opened things up to the people that were so invested in it. And it had so many different layers and dimensions to it. And I I just found their passion really inspiring. Like I I thought, wow, something that's so involved and intense. And and then I also thought, well, wine's often in the past been associated with philosophy, which we touch Mm. on and and sort of seen as the philosopher's drink. And so Matt and I had sort of workshopped and discussed these ideas over the years and then um, nothing really came of it, but we we talked about it a lot and had conversations about it. And then when COVID hit, um, I was, you know, working as a consultant, as I still do, mm-hmm. my work really dried up during that period and right. I was sort of at a loose end for anything to do like a lot of people. And I contacted Matt and I was like, do, shall we do the book? And he said, yes. Wow. So that was kind of how it all happened. And it was a really a sort of amazing experience. It made 2020, I know from a lot of people, it was a really terrible year and, of mm-hmm. course, for me personally, I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
so with with you and uh, Matt writing the book, were you like, did you plan it out together? Were you just doing chapter by chapter? How how did you how did that all work? So again, it is all. I mean, we had to mix and match conversations with places we had visited together, but hadn't necessarily obviously had those conversations at those places at those times. Sure. And I, yeah. you know, yeah. have yeah. you know clarify that at the beginning, but. We what we did was we did get together when we had the opportunity and um, did plan it out, plan out um, by wine and by theme, yeah. and we talked a lot about the different you know wines and how they relate and their natures and and how that draws out different themes. We also recorded conversations, so we had conversations and recorded them, and then a friend of mine who's an editor transcribed the conversations for oh, us, wow. which was hugely useful. Yeah. And then I I was essentially one that did the the writing. So yeah. it was we had the conversations, and then I would sit down, churn out the chapters, and then I would send through to Matt. He would look through, um, give any feedback he had, and then we sort of evolved the process from there. Wow. Yeah, mm. I mean, it must have also you know from what you had already done mm. to then also have this project you know your friendship must be you know this doing this book mm. must have really even further the friendship i say to him i've said that to him a few times like i say you know of all the great things that have come out of doing this book the way our friendship has deepened through that experience yeah. has been one of the best things like just uh incredible gift and i'm i'm so looking forward to you know i've been you know so looking forward to the experience of the book being out there and yeah. you know getting to sort of show the friendship but absolutely because yeah. by the end of you know end of the book it really feels like a is it familiar or a family you know a family bond that you have together uh, absolutely yeah yeah and i mean one thing one thing that kind of came of it which wasn't this the intention at the beginning, but it ended up evolving into this book about friendship. Mm. I think fundamentally more than anything, it is a book about friendship. It's a portrait of a friendship. And another thing that I sort of realised in reflection after the book was written was there there aren't that many books or media that portray a close friendship between a straight man and a gay man. You don't actually see it that often. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, and I was going to say that. That's what I, I also love that, mm. you know, that representation around this friendship and, yes, it's a gay man and a straight man, and you're absolutely right, and the care that goes in mm. that. Uh, well done. I mean, another thing I realised just, just before we move on is that in a weird way going through that process, if anything, I realised I probably had more prejudices against Matt than he had against me, which was kind oh, of an really? irony. Um, particularly when we first met, I mean, less so over time, but I had, you know, like a lot of gay men had been, you know, experienced bullying growing up and so forth. And, yeah. you know, this was often directed from, you know, men. And I had quite, I think, negative ideas of straight men generally in my in my head. And... Yeah. 
um, my friendship with Matt is one example of a number of friendships I have where, which have really helped me overcome that prejudice from my end, which is interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And I think it, it, we also see Matt uh, examining toxic masculinity and where he is in that. Mm. And he's, he's, he's not, but do you no. know what I mean? That, yeah. that, that, that awareness of this is this is a problem and this is you know being part of a segment that is problematic and what does that mean you know when you are a heterosexual male so that i think that was really really well done in the book like this examination and like you said, your examination of yeah that relationship to heterosexual men who mm. you know uh I, I shouldn't say you know i'm not doing about all oh of course but but yeah they are the majority of perpetrators of violence towards gay men like yeah that's the story yeah now for those people who write memoir i often wonder how it feels to have aspects of your life out now in such a public way yeah that that's a really good question because it it in a lot of ways, it is quite terrifying, if I'm really honest. And But it was something that both me and Matt talked about in the book. And I pushed for, probably, uh, more than Matt in the first instance, where I was saying, we, we have to be honest about who we are. People don't want to read about sort of two-dimensional personas they want to yeah. read about people perfect, have, perfect people yeah. yeah struggles imperfections and are honest about that and have a sense of humor about that but putting myself out there you know particularly i can speak from my half um yeah. about my personal struggles my difficulties coming out my issues with depression anxiety and things like that it was very difficult you know, you do, you do really feel you have to sort of move through a level of discomfort. But I also felt that by talking about that, I know from my own part, reading about uh, other people who've had those experiences, I found really useful myself. Yes. yes. So that was something I felt would would deepen the book and and be of service to the reader hopefully so that was something i i really thought about but yeah it is it is Mm. it is um confronting but like you say i mean you both come across so authentic and yeah sharing that and it's just there's so many readers who are going to you know hard relate to yes this was my experience or i know someone who went through that or um so no i think it was it was was courageous anyone who does memoir i you know i always say how brave i think they are but i just think yeah it's a really wonderful thing to do so did you have um and we'll, we'll get to sort of tips about writing um but did you have a a mentor or when it came to writing and writing memoir, was there anyone you could sort of touch base with outside of that or it was just something, wow. That's no, no, I didn't. I think, and again, I'll talk about it later. I think my life of reading served me a lot. I've done a huge amount of reading. I'm a big reader. And so I think that more than anything helped me. Yeah. So no, I did, but I didn't have a... 
I found it though a very you know very time consuming obviously as any writer will tell you (laughs) as you know yourself you are a writer so you know it it takes a lot of time but I really enjoyed and maybe also an added benefit of writing it during lockdown I really lost myself in the world of the book and so I found that part of it sort of enjoyable for me, I got to yeah. lose myself in that world. And, you know, while the world yeah. was, you know, going through crisis, it was kind of a, a wonderful place to escape to. Yeah. So yeah. in, I think that was a real benefit to the writing process. Yeah. And yeah. Look, one of the reasons I, I asked that as well is because right at the beginning when you said, you know, seeing yourself on the page almost as a character, I mean, that's mm-hmm. Absolutely. I hear that from people who have uh, written memoir and teach memoir. So that's, yeah, you know, see, spot on. Yeah. <laughs> now, I loved learning about uh, about wine and my, my knowledge was completely very limited. Uh, so ha- my question is, have you continued your wine education? Do you still enjoy wine? Do you enjoy it obviously more so now that you have had this education? So, yes, I enjoy it a lot more than I used to, 100%. I wouldn't say I've actually uh, this year had, um, I'm fortunately out of it now, but I had quite a big chunk of long COVID, which oh, I've yeah. now fortunately in very good time gotten over quite recently so i haven't been drinking much wine or alcohol this year because i didn't really feel like it but generally yes i i do enjoy wine a lot more i found matt's way of teaching wine really open and accessible and i hope Mm. that comes through in the book that literally anybody it is not it is not in itself difficult you you know if you have an imagination you can enjoy wine essentially um and that aspect of it's really opened up my world and also i mean i've had funny experiences with wine since because for example campbell maddinson who writes that lovely quote on the cover and has been a big supporter of the book he is a you know very well regarded wine critic and i'd never heard of him beforehand <laughs> because like i didn't know about i you know I've, he's also a novelist and his novel um we were not men i big shout out amazing book fabulous yeah. novel Read it, everyone listening. Um, but uh, he and I've sort of developed a friendship, um, and he's taken me to like the city wine shop and taken me wine tasting, uh, and uh, that's been an amazing experience because we just got to sit down. and Campbell's a very humble person; he wouldn't sort of boast about his ability or anything. But you know, we tasted wine together and just sort of talked about the wine very gently. And yeah, that's an amazing experience. And absolutely, I do, I do have a much greater appreciation. And and wine, I suppose, nowadays is a lot more accessible to me. Like I'm not intimidated by wine. I will give it a go. I will do tasting. I will yeah. tell friends how to do tasting, which not difficult. And then, you know, go through detecting uh seeing what comes up for you does it provoke memories what does it evoke for you does it do you get feelings out of it so yes absolutely i wouldn't say i i'm a a consistent wine drinker still to this day but i definitely do have a much bigger appreciation for wine and enjoyment of wine yeah Yeah, brilliant and it's i I love that in the book in each chapter where we're you know exploring a different wine uh variety and it's um color and yes. then smell 
smell and, and, and then, then taste. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and just how how Matt was saying, and and you were grasping this idea that it's different for every single person. Mm. Yeah, and I love that. That that sort of really broke down that idea that it's this sort of fortress of knowledge that no mm. one can, you know, you know, you can't access unless you've grown up on a vineyard. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, just beautifully done. And I mean, that's sort of oh, well, thank you. And I mean, the 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 thing with wine is what happens is once you do feel it's successful and you do start accessing it and thinking, well, that smells kind of like flowers or that mm. tastes like plums or whatever, your palate you'll find will start to open up more. So you'll discover that um, your, uh, you know, the smells that come through, the tastes that come through, yeah. what you're seeing in the wine, it will expand because your sort of your wine imagination will begin to be activated, as it were. Amazing. So does that cut across to, did you find, like, with food and meals you were starting to think, or you could kind of switch it off? Um, I suppose it's something wine because you're so deliberate about it when when you're yes, doing wine tasting because you're fun. really taking yeah. the time yeah. and but definitely I mean food hugely because um, you, you do Matt and yourself do talk about that pairing between oh the, absolutely is, and yeah fascinating yeah Matt and Matt's very much thinks about wine in terms of food that's a huge hugely informs his thinking and I'm very excited you know I always love going to the winery because you know he always treats me with such delicious oh, food at the cellar door it's amazing <laughs> so I, li I live a very good life in that regard but yeah food and but I suppose the key thing is you know it's that Proust quote that I, I say early in the book, you know, the true voyage of discovery is not to see new places, but to see with new eyes. And so okay. I suppose kind of the key to it is it's it, the wine or the appreciation of wine gradually or hopefully builds your level of attention where you're appreciating any number of different things. Mm. You can appreciate music, art, you know, mm. nature, anything. You know, it's just that level of attention and allowing your imagination in to expand out what you're experiencing. Yeah, and look, I, I highly recommend this book to everyone because I just think it's fantastic. And I love this philosophy and that, and you know, you you also touch on it in the book around you know getting more present, and in that in that actual moment, you're tasting, you're 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 there. You're not thinking, you know, what do I need to do tomorrow, and that kind of you know. So there's something beautiful about being able to be so grounded. Now, Matt's uh, shout out to Matt. His uh, name of his vineyard for uh, Fowl's Wine. It's in the Strathbogie Ranges. Uh, he's probably most famous for his ladies who shoot their lunch oh, brand of wine. No, um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. That's yeah. and you know his Shiraz was on the the top one hundred wines in the world Amazing. recently in Wine Spectator magazine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but they're definitely if you out in Avenal Way, swing past his winery, go to his cellar door at Fowl's Wine. The food is delicious. The wine is delicious. It's a beautiful place. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And um, uh, before we get on to the writing question, what is your what what is your hope for this book being out in the world? Yeah, I I really hope I hope people 
come to it not worried they don't need to even be interested in wine necessarily i mean you can definitely learn a lot about wine and uh, appreciate but i think i my hope is people will come to it with the idea that it's a book about friendship it's a book about understanding it's a book about looking past surfaces and looking more deeply into things and and really connecting and that includes with other people with yourself, with your life, you know, looking and thinking more deeply. And I think that's yeah. that's the core message of the book. And wine is sort of a vehicle for talking about that. But again, I, I would really encourage people, um, I hope, won't be intimidated by the wine aspect because, um, you know, A, it's not intimidating in the book. And no, you can just easily yeah. learn about, um, you know, sort of the basics of wine yeah. appreciation. But more than that, it's about, as I say at the end of the book, about so much more than wine, you know, and that's Absolutely. the key thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. For uh, listeners out there um, who are writing and maybe they're beginning or emerging, any sort of top tips? Yeah. So my first one I mentioned earlier is read. And I mean, you know, as you know, writers read. And it's just, and I, what I always recommend is read widely, read multiple genres, yeah. read fiction, nonfiction. Don't be intimidated by scary books either. You know, give them a go. It doesn't matter if you don't understand everything. I think just a constant diet of reading is just so essential to writing. Um, Another thing I'd say is it's it's never too late. You know, I'm I'm 41 this year. I no. started, you know, I <laughs> thank you. I started writing the book, you know, uh, when I was 39. Um, I'd sort of given up my dream of becoming a writer, uh, you know, and you know, part of you know one of the blocks in my head was like, oh, it's too late to start writing and so forth. It's never too late. You know, as I say, you, you've never missed the boat. The perfect age to start writing your book is the age you are right now. Absolutely. So that that's a big thing I'd say. And then the other one is I what I would say to people is sort of trust your own process. So find your process and work with that. Don't think there's a particularly right way to write. Um, I know for a lot of people, the way they write is doing a, a lot of drafting, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a fantastic method for draft and redraft. Yeah. I tend to be one of those writers that's very, quite slow, and I tend to be very methodical and try and work through everything. And it doesn't mean I don't redraft, but, yeah. you know, I would yeah. do that less because I'm, I, I very much focus on each bit as I go. But work with what works for you. Find a process and just trust in that. That's what I'd say. And don't get too hung up on techniques. Uh, they can be helpful. But, you know, find the voice that you want to talk in. That's, yeah. And trust that, I think. Beautiful. That's fantastic. Fantastic yeah. advice. Thank you. And now we have our Blarney Books and Art Import Fairy Book Review section. And this episode, we're joined by owner Joe. Hi, Joe. Hello, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. It's very exciting. And what uh, books do you have for us? I have two very, very exciting books. Um, one actually came into the shop, um, actually through a, a visitor. She came in and came up and said, I write graphic novels. Um, right. Would you like to read it? And I said, yes, I would. And so when she got home, she sent me a few pages of the graphic novel and I said, could you send me more? This looks fabulous. And she has, we now have a little stack of her titles in our shop. 
So this one is actually called I Do Not Have an Eating Disorder and her name is Kale McCurst. It's a recovery memoir in graphic yeah. form, graphic novel form. So for an adult audience or why? Yes, definitely an adult audience. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's talking about her journey with anorexia. Um, yeah, dealing with anorexia, eating disorders and um, making her way through the mental health system and how she copes with it and how her relationships cope with it. And it's really, really, really honest. Like it's uh, very, very brave of her to, to write it um, mm-hmm. and, and illustrate it the way she has, but it's, it's wonderful. And so, she, uh, so you mentioned she's done the illustrations as well. Yes, yes, she's written it and illustrated it. She did it back in 2019 by the look of it. Very accomplished. The illustrations are superb. She's got action. She's got monsters. It's it's just got a whole lot of everything in there and she doesn't hold back on anything. Um, Yeah, so I think it's pretty wonderful and pretty special. Comparable titles for the audience or sort of, or if someone liked... Uh, a certain book they might like this one fans of Alison Bechdel perhaps okay yeah fun home that kind of stuff fantastic uh, so that's yeah. I do not have an eating disorder by Kale McCurst yes brilliant and uh, we will have a link to that in our show notes and I believe you have a second book Joe. I do have a second book, and I've just um, uh, when I picked up this book, uh, it, it's an exciting and vivid inner life short story collection by Paul Della Rosa. And when I picked up this book, I thought oh, I'll just read a short story or two, and um, yeah, just didn't put it down until I finished the entire collection. Oh wow! They're very very funny. They're very very um, sad. There's something about a little bit Fight Club in them. And he oh. might, Paul Delarosa might not appreciate that um, comparison. I don't know. He might be a bit young for Fight Club, but there's something about that uh, criticism of capitalism and people being obsessed with brands and what they have in their possessions, you know, all of that kind of stuff is in there. Um, and his character's loneliness and isolation and disconnection and detachment. and But it's really, really funny as well. So... Yeah, a really interesting collection, actually. So Paul Della Rosa, an exciting and vivid in a life. It's got the most spectacular cover. It's got uh, two, um, what do you call them, Venus flytraps. And they're pink and orange and green. They're they're amazing. And is this a a relatively recent release? Oh, wow. Thank you very much, Joe. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. And always, always, you're a partner. Thank you. Thanks, and Rob. We'll chat to you soon. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Bye. Uh, so, something that we ask all of our guests is a shout out question. Yeah. Um, so, firstly, how can listeners connect with you on um, socials, any events? Yeah. It's, uh, so my best socials is my Instagram. So I'm at Peter Coleman author or one word. Um, so if you go to Peter Coleman author, that's 
probably where the majority of my social media activity goes on. So check that out. Yeah. Also, please check out Matt's uh, Fowls Wine at Fowls underscore wine um, to check him out there. In terms of upcoming events, probably the big one in the not too distant future is the Dunkeld Riders Festival, which is happening from the 26th to 28th of August at the Royal Mail Hotel, which has fantastic food there. Um, I'll be with uh, Rick Morton, who's another oh, wow. queer writer. He's presenting there. And that should be really fun. And we're presenting with Jess Ho, who's another firm author, and they're a non-binary author. And we'll be talking about food and wine. Um, so it should be really fun. That sounds amazing. And so um, for our listeners, I'll have all of that in our show notes as well. Um, also, I'd love to give you the opportunity if you want to uh, shout out any LGBTIQA plus artists, books, shows, organisations, social media accounts, anything you like. Yeah, absolutely. So the ones I'd shout out to is, again, Affirm Press, who's publishing, is published Weekends with Matt. They're a great supporter of LGBTIQA plus authors, um, particularly a book I've loved recently, Son of Sin by Omar Sakir. Oh, he is um, a queer author and it's yeah. amazing. Uh, Jess Ho, who I just mentioned, they're a non-binary author, Raised by Wolves by them. There's also a really beautiful book out by an author, Daniel Gray Bennett, and it's a children's book. It's called All the Colours of Our Rainbow. which is all about rainbow families and it's a children's book to help introduce children to the idea of rainbow families so that's really beautiful i'd love to give a shout out to my friend legal sorry legally sorry i got it right is he's an he's a gay independent filmmaker who lives in melbourne you can check him out on his instagram uh legalia he's also he's made a um a tv series independently made tv series called single out oh, wow. which is about gay non-binary lesbian friends all in melbourne and then finally um last but not least get outside australia which is a bushwalking yeah. to a company run by my friend came forward who's a member of the community and he's now got um, tours running out of Melbourne and Brisbane. Oh, wow. And they even do, uh, so he does bushwalking tours. If you're new to bushwalking, glamping weekends away. They even did, I think, a Pride weekend not that long ago. Brilliant. And so um, that's fabulous. So please check out Get Outside Australia. That is awesome. And, yeah, as I mentioned before, listeners, we'll have these in our show notes. So please check them out. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Now, our closing question that we ask everyone is, what is your hope for the LGBTIQA plus communities? So, again, this was a question you sent beforehand, and I gave it quite a bit of thought. The word that really springs to mind is understanding. So, and that works in a few different ways. So, obviously, in my experience, the big thing for everybody, and, and particularly it impacts people in the LGBTIQA plus communities, is not feeling understood. And feeling understood is one of the most powerful healing things any of us as human beings can experience. So my my real hope is that people in the community can feel understood, can feel heard, can feel listened to. That's so essential. Also, in that same vein, I think understanding is really critical. So all of us need to continually, I think, work on developing understanding for people not like us. And I mean, 
there's often even a lack of understanding within the community. There's things like bi erasure, transphobia still happen within the community, racism, ableism, all those things. Yeah. And there are various um, ways of educating yourself and understanding and listening more deeply. And I think all of us, as, as much as all of us need to be understood, we also need to extend understanding. And I think that's, that's, that's pretty key. So that, that would be my real hope for the communities. Beautiful. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, so that's uh, Peter Coleman, author of Weekends with Matt, which is out now by Firm Press. Check it out. Thank you so much. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Rob. Really appreciate it. Please check out our show notes on Words and Nerds, Blarney Books and Art, and rwrmcdonald.com for links, reviews, and the interview transcript. Until next time, this is QWS Podcast.